This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, May 22nd. The Cubs win on Sunday to salvage one in the series with the Arizona Diamondbacks. But, Brendan, it is a series loss there at home with the loss to the Pirates in the finale of the midweek series. The Cubs came into Sunday with a four-game losing streak, uh, but they do pick up the one on Sunday. But all in all, Brendan, it was, uh, I I would say, a pretty disappointing week. Uh, After the 4-2 and road trip, you came back to Wrigley, and you started off that Pirates series with a win, uh, but... Yeah, coming off of that that last game against Pittsburgh and and really this series as a whole with Arizona, uh, just you know a, a bit of a letdown from the maybe corner we thought they had turned a little bit for for sure because you see Cincinnati coming next week and my thinking was you know if, if you split this series win this series you keep chipping away at that record maybe you can find yourself back around five hundred and they went the complete opposite direction right. and it sucks just here we are again. Yeah, and and also this was just not a you know it's a nice comeback win on Sunday. We'll we'll talk about a lot of the stuff that we saw, some really good stuff, especially um, from Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele, uh, yeah, Marcus Stroman good. coming back from the IL, uh, a nice yeah. first outing for him coming back. Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel hitting back to back homers on back to back days. So a lot of a lot of good in this series, but those first three yep. games, Brendan, were. They they featured some ugly ugly stuff, ugly stuff. Yeah, you know the some pitching, and we have a lot to talk about this episode with the pitching. But the the majority of the pitching, I thought was good. You had that weird windy day with Kyle, and he got shelled and gave up four home runs. But you look across the rotation, you know Wade Miley had a respectable outing today. I know he gave up uh, a few runs there in the six, but Justin Steele. Again, looked good. Stroman, for his first time coming back off of the COVID IL, I thought he looked strong, although the stamina probably wasn't quite there. So there are still positives to take away from this from the pitching side of things. It's just you wish the offense matched some of the strong performances you saw from the staff. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think too on Friday and Saturday, um, you know, obviously there's an extra inning game in there on Saturday, but you know, six runs on on two of those games, five on Sunday. It wasn't a great offensive showing, but it was better yeah. than what we had seen. And of course, you know, Saturday has, and this is, I think, something that we've talked about. Like, of course, you're going to get one of those days where the bullpen isn't perfect, right? And we kind of finally yeah. got that a little bit. Um, on Saturday following Justin Steele, Brandon Hughes giving up a run, Scott Efros giving up a couple runs, David Robertson giving up a couple runs, Rowan Wick uh, giving up uh, just one earned run, but but three runs overall um, at the end of that game on Saturday. And, you know, that's what happens, right? Like you have an asset on your team that's been pretty lights out, but you haven't really been able to utilize it fully because right. mostly the, the offense had not been putting up enough runs earlier in the season, the starting pitching, not going deep enough, kind of leaning on the bullpen too much. And then of course, you know, on a day where the offense does score six runs, well, you know, here's kind of that one day where all these guys who really had not been giving up runs finally give up runs. Well, that's the problem with the offense right now is 
David Ross has a little margin for error with these decisions. Right. So he's using these guys, like on Saturday's game, right? You score two runs in the 10th to score six overall, but you only had four runs before that. And from the fourth inning all the way through the 10th, you put up nothing. So, of course, Ross is going to have to use these guys in you know, maybe shorter samples, higher leverage situations. If you had more of a cushion offensively, then you can reserve, let's say, Brandon Hughes again and stop using Scott Efros so often and give these guys a little bit more room to work with. Yeah, so uh, just some housekeeping in this series, and then we'll just run through things real quick, and then we've obviously got a lot to dig into. Um, but Ildemar Vargas designated for assignment on uh, Sunday morning. P.J. Higgins comes up. Obviously, he had a big hit in the game on Sunday, uh, an RBI triple uh, that brought home a few. And Wilson Contreras day-to-day. Uh, so it sounds like he he left one of the games in this series uh, on his own, called for for the trainer when he was out running the bases, uh, and everything from David Ross. He keeps reiterating, um, you know, that he removed himself. It was precautionary because he you know was feeling a little something, but you know the tests that they did and everything did not reveal something significant. So it sounds like good on Wilson for knowing his body and and not pushing through that to avoid something longer term, which it, we've seen from him. He, you know, he's he's had hamstring issues in the past and stuff. So good on him for being proactive and, and the team for responding to that and just getting him out of there. So hopefully that is not too long term of a thing. And, you know, just wanted to uh, acknowledge what a nice and fun day uh, Friday was at Wrigley Field. Obviously, uh, I was not, Brendan and I were not there but uh, the Fergie Jenkins statue unveiling, seeing all of the Cubs legends there, Pat Hughes, of course, the master of ceremonies, and, you know, just being able to see Fergie get that moment, and, uh, you know, he tweeted a lot about how humbling the experience was and, and just how honored he was to be a part of that. The the Cubs also unveiling on Gallagher Way the new statue row where all of the uh, statues are featured, not the Harry Carey statue still in the, you know, the back by the bleacher entrance, but of the players now kind of all lined up in one row on Gallagher Way. I think it looks really nice, Brendan, and that, that was, uh, you know, days yeah, like sure. that are... Uh, always, I think, really special um, to be able to honor players like that. And, you know, someone like Fergie, too, who has been, obviously, his contributions on the field, but, you know, even long since his playing career has been over, has been a, a staple of the, the Wrigley oh, yeah. Field fan experience. Yeah. Well, he's been in spring training my entire life, having spent a majority of my uh, time growing up in Arizona. So I saw Fergie every spring, and I've talked to him several times, always the nicest guy. And you would have no idea he put up those numbers. He was so humble, you know, talking to me for so many years. And just seeing those numbers on the video board, 257 complete games, the the six straight seasons of 20 wins. Yeah insane dude he he did a lot of stuff when you were looking at those statistics from the ceremony that we just will not see again no Um, never and you you really don't even see in the game as a whole just from starting pitchers the level of consistency length that he was getting the the awards he was racking up it's it's just it's it's a sort of a foregone era of major league baseball yeah. Well, it's cool, too, to see, as you alluded to there, that statue row, you know, that entire team from the 60s, pretty impressive stuff. I mean, you know, to, to think during that time period that all those guys would be 
immortalized, that's that's an amazing feeling. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that when you go to Wrigley Field, I'm reminded of, like, my grandpa because that was his era, yeah. you know, like the prime of his era. And just seeing those guys right there, it's it's pretty powerful stuff, Corey. Yeah, I look forward to, uh, I think the Anthony Rizzo statue will look really nice um, over there. <laughs> so they, I was thinking that, right? Well, I was thinking that, I'm like, damn, like... You know, like if they stayed with the team, that 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 could have been us 30 years from now. But alas, didn't happen. Maybe there will be a statue. Who knows? But uh, I did well, almost of, say that. A lot of those guys played for different teams. Yeah, I don't but know if I that's mean, the like, only criteria. I don't know, like the time period that Fergie spent with the Cubs and you know Ron Santo and Ernie and Billy, yeah. like those those guys. That was a long time period, Corey. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I hope don't so. know. Well, I mean, you know, they're going to have to build one for John Lester, too. So things are going to get a little weird yeah. at some point. Gallagher Way would look very different if, I, if, you, and I, if you and I were in charge. Um, I think the Aramis Ramirez statue would have been up yesterday, too. Him and Derek Lee. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, but anyway, before we continue to wax poetic about our childhoods and the most recent Cubs core... Uh, let's run through these games right quick. Just remind you all of what happened. Four game series, so I know it's hard for everyone to remember back to Thursday. Uh, but Thursday it was a three to one loss to start this series against Arizona. Marcus Stroman makes his first start, I believe, since May first, coming off of the injured list. Five innings, five hits, two earned runs, zero walks, and six strikeouts. And Brendan, all things considered, like for a guy that you really weren't sure what you were going to be able to get out of it, out of him, how much he was able to you know, stay uh, active and in shape and all of that. It's not a long break, but when you're in the middle of, you know, uh, a season and you're in that routine, that's a pretty significant break. But throw 77 pitches across those five innings. And, you know, I think that was a a really nice outing for Marcus Stroman. Um, I, I think even absent the the qualification that he had been coming off the injured list, you would have liked him to go deeper in the game, but that's the part that you certainly were not expecting to get out of him. No, uh, but no. five innings, two runs, no walks, six Ks, like you're taking that most days than not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was surprised he even threw 77 pitches. Mm-hmm. I was expecting maybe, you know, four innings, 60, 70 pitches. So he exceeded my expectations from a stamina perspective. So that was good to see. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs getting their lone run in this game on a Jan Gomes double. All of the run scoring in this game coming in the fourth inning. The Diamondbacks putting all three of their runs up in the top half of this inning as well. On Friday, uh, the Cubs not you know, really celebrating uh, the the Fergie Statue Day in grand fashion. It is a 10-6 to loss, and this game was all over the place. It featured Wilson Contreras getting ejected, arguing balls and strikes, um, and he, you know, he was, he was correct. I, I don't know if it's the, the, you know, just given how things go, uh, the best decision to throw the bat in the way that he did, but you know, umpires suck. So obviously we're on, <laughs> we're on Wilson's side here. Luckily they didn't, you know, make a big thing out of it. I, I just don't want him to get suspended, which he didn't. Um, but yeah, umpires suck. He was right about the call being bad and it happened the rest of the weekend. So, uh, we're always on the side of the players reminding the umpires that they are generally terrible at their jobs. Yes. Uh, this one featured a, a weird outing for Kyle Hendricks, Brendan. The, the wind was all over the place, and I, I, I don't want to you know put it all on the wind, 
uh, but certainly you could tell that some of the home runs, at least for both teams, were aided by the wind. But at the end of the day, the conditions are the conditions. Kyle Hendricks gives up four home runs. He only strikes out three and walks two in this game over five innings where he gives up eight hits and seven runs. Uh, That is his fourth loss of the season. Cubs getting homers from Patrick Wisdom, Jonathan Villar, Christopher Morell, and Ildemaro Vargas in this game, but it is not enough on that Friday. Cubs dropped that one 10 to 6. On Saturday, another kind of messy game. Uh, the Cubs led this one 4 to nothing. The Cubs scored twice in the second and third innings. Uh, the first of the weekend's uh, Schwisdom back to back home runs. Uh, this one in that order, Schwindel, then Wisdom. On Sunday, it was the reverse order, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, That's Frank's third, Patrick's eighth. Then Seiya doubled to bring home Ortega, Jan Gomes with an RBI single. So the Cubs were up four to nothing in this game, but the Diamondbacks come storming back to tie it. We go to extras. The Diamondbacks get three. The Cubs only get two, and uh, that is a one-run loss. This game also featured, uh, I mean, where would you rank that Anderlton Simmons relay throw to the plate, Brendan, on just the absolute worst things you've seen? Uh, I've seen some pretty bad things, Corey, so... I, I wouldn't even put it up okay. there. I've seen some really bad things this year. It, it, it was pretty bad, though. I mean, <laughs> it for, was bad. for a Don't guy to score, um, I think it was Varsho ends up coming all the way around, scoring on the play, so like a little league home run. Uh, and that throw was just nowhere close to Gomes. And then I think it was Wick trying to find it as it's bouncing around the bricks. And that was just ugly. It was one of those plays where it was like, you know, this this season has been a bit of a struggle for the Cubs. And that play was kind of emblematic. I mean, it sums it up. Yeah. yeah, it was like, this is occasionally a bit of a clown show out there, uh, and that that was certainly what was going on there. The starter in this game, though, who will be one of the first guys we talk about in a second here, Justin Steele, is on a, a really nice run, Brendan. He goes five innings, allows just one hit, no runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. His season ERA sitting at 3.82. Uh, and and we will we will talk more about him in a second. So I'll save what I have for Justin Steele. But this was a really nice start. Uh, he does all of that on 89 pitches. So he's he's making some progress too, working oh, yeah. deeper in the games, throwing more pitches. Uh, and and certainly, I, if the Cubs ever play this Diamondbacks team in the playoffs, we know the guy to start right? Because this is two starts in the span of a week against the Diamondbacks, and Steele definitely has their number. Uh, 19 strikeouts in those two starts. On Sunday, it was a 5-4 win for the Cubs. The Cubs led this one 3-0. They blow that lead uh, and go down 4-3 in the seventh, but then it is the second of the Schwisdom uh, back-to-back home runs. Like I said, this time, though, Patrick Wisdom homers first, and Frank Schwindel follows him, number nine for Patrick and number four for uh, Frank Schwindel. As I mentioned before, when P.J. Higgins was uh, called up, he does triple in this one in the bottom of the second with two outs. Really nice at bat from P.J., and he drives in three on that particular play. Also nice for P.J. Higgins to come up. I think he had started his MLB career one for 23, so it I has yeah, to feel, sure. I mean, obviously a three RBI triple is wonderful. I'm sure you're feeling great about that anyway, but especially as he had struggled in his time in the, ma- the short time in the majors before, I'm sure that felt quite good for him. Uh, on Sunday, 
Another good start uh, for Wade Miley, six innings, six hits, three earned, two walks, three strikeouts. And then Keegan Thompson, who just continues to be incredible, picks up his fourth win in this one, follows with three innings of one run baseball, two hits, no walks, and four strikeouts. Brendan will have more for us on him. But let's start with Justin Steele, Brendan, just because we were talking about him uh, so this is his last two starts. Both of them are against Arizona. 11 total innings pitched, just four hits allowed, just one run allowed, 19 strikeouts, and four walks for yeah. Justin Steele. So he has been one of those guys that we have been closely monitoring, hyper-monitoring. And back-to-back here, obviously, you you know, the same team, but 19 strikeouts in 11 innings over two starts. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. So his way of attacking Diamondback hitters switched when he threw at Wrigley. So in Arizona, we talked about how he was throwing sinkers, tons of sinkers to left-handed batters. So in that start in Arizona, he threw a sinker once every four pitches. In the start against Arizona at Wrigley, he threw only three sinkers and 89 pitches. He did not throw any sinkers that day. So that was the change that he made. But despite not throwing those sinkers, he still got all those strikeouts. He threw and induced uh, 14 swings with his slider. Seven of those were whiffs. So the slider command was really good, but so was the four-seam command. And for the first few starts of the season, he was not able to align his command with his four-seam and with his slider. And we talked about this so many times now, but that was a big issue for him because he could never own in on any consistent repertoire as a result. But as the last few weeks have progressed, he's throwing more sinkers, and that may have allowed more diversity in his in his attack. But then in this start against Arizona, He kind of had that same pitch mix as he had to start the season, but he aligned the command with his four seam and his slider. And if you look at where he located those four seams, tons of those were thrown up and in the lefties. He did dart some down and away with good precision. And then that slider, you know, a thing of beauty. He he actually threw a decent amount of inside sliders to lefties, uh, interestingly enough, and you know, he got the whiffs as a result, and he was able to get those right-handed batters out as well. I'm still intrigued about that sinker. I was surprised he didn't throw as many, uh, but that could just be a scattering port issue where you don't want to keep throwing the same pitch mix against a team that you just faced a week ago. But this is yet another start by Justin, who's looking good, the command's looking better, and you're seeing the numbers match. And as this continues, my hope is he still uses that sinker. He still has some room to grow. And I think, as we've always talked about with Justin Steele, he just needs more pitch types. To to be a two-pitch heavy guy, to get through the order a third time, the probability that he can do so with only two pitches is much lower if he instead has three pitches, which he's been able to showcase here recently in the month of May. And then, and then as his starts continue, you know, I still want to see a little bit more change-up usage. We have seen the change-up thrown by Justin in the past. And if that happens, then he suddenly becomes a five-pitch guy, a sinker, four-seam, 
uh, curveball slider and, and changeup. So this is yet another step in the right direction from Steele, and to have 19 strikeouts now in his last two starts is incredibly impressive. Yeah, I mean, th- this just looks good, and you know, you want to see a little more length, but I, that's obviously, you know, perhaps uh, as you're talking about with the pitch mix and stuff, that kind of really going to that next level for him, it all kind of comes together with that. But it's nice to see as he's going through these games, getting up around the 90 plus pitch mark, you know, the the fastball velocity is holding around 93 miles an hour. And, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up and and kind of ask you about, um, when you look at, he's got a pretty big discrepancy between his ERA and his FIP. And just for the sake of clarity, FIP is fielding independent pitching, um, looks at strikeouts, walks, home runs, the things that you know, generally the the pitcher can control, right? So it sort of removes the defense and luck and batted ball, BABIP, stuff like that, and spits out an ERA relative to what the pitcher can control, strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Justin Seals' ERA after his start this weekend, 3.82, really good, right, for a a guy that, you know, you're you're looking at right now as, you know, maybe a back end of the rotation guy. His FIP, though, 2.73, yeah, that's a pretty big discrepancy, Brennan, over a run uh, of a of a discrepancy there. So, what do you what do you make of that? And I guess really where I'm I'm curious what you think about that. Like, if the ERA started to dip down closer to that fit, like now we're really cooking with gas. Yeah. So this this is kind of funny that you pointed it out. These these are like. Uh, I guess, arguments that people have had 10 years ago looking at ERA versus FIP. So with Justin, his FIP is, as you said, 2.73. His ex-FIP is 3.5. Ex-FIP is normalizing how many home runs are given up by fly balls. And typically, the normalization rate is 10.5%, whereas for Justin Steele, his home run per fly ball rate is only 3.6%. So XFIP uh, suggests maybe, you know, he should be giving up more runs, but that's not really the case either, because if you look at his expected home run rate, it is no different than his actual home run rate, which is only one home run on the year. So, you know, there is maybe an argument to be had that he does deserve better run prevention, but I don't really like comparing the two at this point. I think the big problem with Steele this year is his sequencing has been suboptimal as a result of that uh, lackluster command at times. And that's illustrated by his walk per nine rate of almost uh, five batters per game. Right now it's at 4.65. So maybe he does deserve some better run prevention, but if you walk so many guys, you leave yourself susceptible to suboptimal sequencing, which is exactly what's happened. But on the other hand, the fact that he's not able, that he has not been giving up so many home runs is also an encouraging sign. Uh, And that speaks volume to the quality of his stuff and maybe his ability to locate and command better as of the last four starts now. So yeah, it's it's still early. You don't want to get stuck and hung up on these ERA to FIP discrepancies. Although when you look at it right now, there is an argument to be had that he does deserve better run prevention. But as we all know, you want to limit the BS. You want to limit the nonsense, which baseball, it's the natural part of the game. And so for Justin Steele to do that, to take advantage of that FIP, then you still want to lower those chances of men on base by reducing those walks, which if he continues to do what he's been doing for the past three weeks here, there is an argument to be had that that will happen. 
Yeah, I, I, I just think, uh, you know, especially this early in the season, it's always tough to dig too much into this stuff. But I do just think it's interesting. You know, you look at Fangraphs, his expected ERA is 2.9. So yeah. you've got a few of these numbers, at least, suggesting that he deserves a, a 3.82 ERA from Justin coming into the year. If you told me that, we'd be thrilled, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, so there's another way of looking at it too. Okay. Not to be, you know, there's like I'm playing devil's advocate here, sure. right? But since we're doing all this, you know, his K per nine is really good. Right? Yeah, you see, it's ten point four batters per nine innings. That's exceptional. That's in the top tier of baseball. But if you want to talk about normalizing numbers, his contact rate is league average. So he has a league average whiff rate, but he has a well above league average K per nine. So if you want to regress that number, then as a result, you're going to get you know, run prevention numbers that don't look as good as the FIP suggests. Does that make sense here? So the reason I bring this up is just because it is so early in terms of these numbers normalizing that you don't want to get too hung up on it. With Justin, we know what he needs to do. He needs to keep throwing these multiple pitch types with high command, which he's been doing for the past three weeks. And if he continues to do that, I don't care about FIP. I don't care about any of the other numbers. They're going to normalize and look good regardless of what they currently are right now. Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker if you have any questions. Email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game same betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, build the perfect live same game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same game parlays. And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Again, use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And of course, we always appreciate your support of everything going on at CHGO podcasts and live shows on every team, every day, post game shows and premium written content for members at allchgo.com. This weekend, I think you got uh, our guy Ryan Herrera, Jared Willis filling in also this weekend. And I believe you had a little something from one Brendan Miller on allchgo.com yes, this weekend on Keegan Thompson, who we will talk about in a second. As a reminder, when you sign up at allchgo.com, you get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord, so sign up at allchgo.com to get access to that premium written content, and thank you for supporting all of the shows for all of your Chicago teams at CHGO. So let's talk about Keegan Thompson, Brendan. Yes. Uh, This was another good outing, so on this particular weekend, he's back in relief uh, coming there in relief of Wade Miley. Now, the Cubs lose, uh, or sorry, they, they win the game uh, that, uh, that Miley starts and Thompson yep. comes in and finishes. And I think the structure of this is something that we really talked about and and where you see some, the, the value of, of someone like Keegan in this particular role. We also saw the value of him, you know, earlier starting a game uh, and being successful. When a guy's pitching like this, it's, you know, going to be pretty useful no matter how you use him. Uh, But 
you know, you look at how many relievers the Cubs had to use on Saturday in that extra inning game. You had to use Norris, Givens, and Gesellman on Friday to get through that game. Um, so to be able to come into this game on Sunday, especially as you're rolling into another week, you, you've got, uh, you know, more more games to play here. Two pitchers, right? Yeah. And Miley with another good start, quality start, six innings, three runs. Thompson follows with three innings. Boom. That's it. And in addition to what you're going to talk about with Thompson and his individual performance, like there, there's a lot of value in that. The, the bullpen needed it. The pitching staff needed it after a long game on Saturday. And to be able to just throw two pitchers out there, you piggyback Thompson with your starter. Simple. David Ross and Tommy Hanavi just sort of wipe their hands of everything and it's, it's all taken care of. That was a, a sort of beautiful recipe for a W on Sunday. Well, I want to ask you a question first. Oh, so we've seen, yeah, we've seen Steele, we've seen Keegan both develop, I think, and make some substantial changes within the last month. Has your thinking process changed what you want Keegan to to do as a role? Do you want to keep him in the bullpen? Do you want to see more of him as a starter as a result of these changes? Where are you with him right now? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued with what you're going to talk about in a second here with, you know, the, the usage. Of well, his, how do you know what I'm going to talk aren't about? Aren't you going to talk about the usage of his changeup? Oh, I am. You yeah, know how I, I feel about changeups, right? I'm a changeup guy. I do. You are. Um, always have been. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. I think that especially watching both Steele and Thompson, you're getting good results right now. And I don't really have a strong opinion on what they should or should not be doing. I think, you know, even just this past week, right, like you're seeing Thompson starting, you're seeing him come in relief for another starter, like you're seeing Steele dominate the Diamondbacks, just striking out everybody that, you know, gets anywhere near him. And I'm just, I feel like I'm just kind of going with the flow, right? Because things are working. And especially for Keegan, like there, there are presenting opportunities for him to be used in different ways, right? Like on Sunday, we see him come in after six strong from Wade Miley and finish out the game. You kind of had a feeling, right, that that was Thompson's game to finish, right? Unless things got dicey. But that was his game, right? They wanted him to finish that out. And seeing him get the opportunity to start, seeing him come in to put out fires or, you know, come in earlier in the game to just get you to guys like David Robertson or Michael Givens or Chris Martin or whoever you want to bring in there. I'm I'm enjoying that both of them are having success. And at least in Keegan's position, he's getting an opportunity to do different things and come in in different spots. And I think by the end of the year, if we continue to see results from both of these guys, you'll be able to make an informed decision going into next year and I think have a, a specific role in mind for them and what you want them to play. Yeah, sure. But for now, I... I, I think they're they're both getting results. It's going well. I I don't really care. Whatever they whatever Tommy Hanavi thinks is best, I as always will defer to him. You know, I don't know what the best way to go about getting Keegan more innings, but I need more innings from from Keegan. Sure. And with him, we talked about the change up last episode, but his ability to use the change up is dependent on how many times he faces the same batters. So if he's going to come out of a bullpen role, then it's possible he's not going to be inclined to use that changeup. He's going to be in a max effort situation, even if it's a two or three inning situation, which, for example, today in Sunday's win, 
his velo was much higher. So his average velocity against Diamondbacks on Sunday was almost two miles per hour faster than his uh, normal rate this season and almost two and a half to three miles per hour faster than his start last week. So I want to see Keegan get more opportunities. Now, if that is in a piggyback situation where he can go five innings and as a result, he can be more inclined to use that changeup, then I'm fine with that. But I want to see him progress more. I want to see him get the opportunity to showcase his diverse set of pitches, which as a result, if he has success with that, then maybe for 2023, the conversation with Keegan is not so much more of a 2-3 any max out guy. Maybe it is as a starter, or maybe it is in that Tampa Bay type fashion going four or five innings because you can get through the order more than once or twice. That's my, my thinking process there. And as you know, time has passed since our last episode. Looking specifically at that changeup, I'm, I'm getting more excited about it. And talking with some coaches in the league, it appears as if that changeup has more potential than than I thought. If you look at that pitch, that pitch has more horizontal movement than league average. And I think one interesting component of his changeup compared to the rest of his pitches is that that changeup almost is like a mirror to his cutter. And what I mean by that is his cutter moves vertically 26 inches down. His changeup moves vertically 25 inches down. And both those pitches have well above league average horizontal movement. So you can imagine a scenario where let's say he's facing a heavy left-handed lineup uh, like the Diamondbacks have. You can use that changeup to go the opposite direction to counteract some of those left-handed batters. And that was the thinking process with Adbert Alzali last year when he started to throw more change-ups. If you might, you might remember, he was getting slammed against left-handed batters last year because he was basically using a four-seam sinker and slider, and most of those pitches were actually sinkers and sliders. He didn't have a good off pitch that went the other direction to lefties, and that's why most of his home runs were against left-handed batters. But if Keegan does have this changeup, which works beautifully as a mirror off his cutter, you know, maybe his cutter plays up and maybe his changeup will also have extra value because it is kind of like a mirror to his cutter. So whatever is going to give Keegan more opportunities to get more innings, I'm fine. But I will say as we continue to talk about this and see him pitch more, like my intrigue for him as a starter has, has grown substantially. The problem is the rotation is packed right now with Wade Miley and Stroman and Hendricks and Steele. And you're going to get, hopefully, Alzali back and Killian. Like, you know, it, it is jammed a little bit, but I just want to see more innings, whatever that entails. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And, you know, that, again, is is what this year is ultimately about. So that's, I think, kind of where I land. I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm down to give him more innings. He's been fantastic. Um, I, I think as long as, you know, it's only May, right? So you've got a lot of, of runway here. I think at some point, right, we all sort of expect some roster changes, uh, whatever that might look like. And, you know, maybe that opens up some some more opportunities for him to start games and get a lot more innings. But, um, 
I think again, like as long as by the end of you know the next several months here, like you've you've given him the opportunity, you let him keep trying these things, using his new pitches, trying new sequencing, things like that. I think it's it's already been very productive, and hopefully it continues to be. But what what has to really excite you though, you know, these were two guys that when we came into the year, they were kind of you know bookmarked for kind of top of the line in terms of like importance of seeing what they can do can they step up can they be you know show themselves to be significant contributors to future teams things like that and you know we sit here on May 22nd and so far you've gotten eight starts 33 innings uh 3.82 ERA from Justin Steele as we've talked about and you've gotten 35 innings from Keegan Thompson with a 1.54 ERA yeah that's I mean, just great. It like is, man. It there's is. there there's definitely some stuff to figure out. There's going to be adjustments needed to be made, figuring out are there more steps to take, more things to add, change, deliver, etc. But those are really good results to, you know, almost be 2 months into the season from these two yeah. young guys that came from your system that you've developed that you've been hoping could kind of take that leap and at least right now we can say like, oh yeah, like this is this is going swimmingly, Brendan. It is, and for Steele, it wasn't for the first month. He had some good starts in terms of run prevention to start the season, but from the eye test and some of the Statcast metrics, I was concerned that maybe he was not developing at a pace that I wanted to see early on. I wanted to see more pitch types from Justin Steele. He wasn't doing it. Now he's doing it. So that's why I'm even more excited because not only are the results coming for Justin within the last three weeks, but they're coming as a result of using more pitch types and getting that command tightened up. For Keegan, he's been good the entire year, man. And now he's adding on to that with a changeup, hopefully, that continues to be used with high frequency if he starts more. So this is probably the ideal outcome, at least from an end of May perspective of where you want these two guys to be. They still need to adapt. They still need to develop. And for Steele, we need to see more to get comfortable with the idea that he can be a starter because it's not quite there yet, but he is absolutely going in that direction, especially if he continues to use the sinker and these multiple pitch types effectively. Yeah. And I think it's a good point too about, you know, sort of how his season started. I think that's, uh, you know, a, a real compliment, I suppose, to, you know, he was always in the plans to get these opportunities, but it's, it's a credit to, firstly, you know, the coaching staff and the front office for letting him push through those, but also him, yeah. right? Yeah, like man. we, I, you know, we, we all came on here, like those early starts, like I think a lot of us, you know, believed in him, but it, like as the season started, it certainly wasn't going exactly the way you wanted. And I'm glad that he has been able to continue getting these opportunities because you can see him making these adjustments, working on things, and the results are following. And sometimes, depending on what's going on in the season, whether guys are hurt or coming back or, you know, just all that's going on with your roster, if you have a a handful of starts and they don't go well, you don't get to continue getting those opportunities, right? And so I think it's been really important. uh, And it's, it's one of those examples of, you know, we talk about a lot of this with some of the offensive players as well. Like, guys get opportunities, and sometimes if you really want to know what you have, you have to stick with it, right? Yeah. And even if it's it's not going the, the right way, sometimes dramatically, 
sometimes you got to stick with it if you really believe in it and you really want to see what's there. And, you know, now we're sitting here talking, you know, now we're sitting here arguing about whether, you know, his his FIP numbers represent whether he should have a sub three RA or not, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's a much more fun conversation. Yeah. So, you know, credit to him for sticking sticking to it, making those adjustments and just continuing to trust the process, right? And I And I don't think he's done, right? I think he's got more in him and I hope we get to see it. Yeah, and I, I think, too, when we are talking about these pitchers, and that's a great point, right? They stuck with Justin Steele. We don't know exactly why they even did that and what they were working on. So as we're making our opinions, we're in the darkness, so to speak, because we're, we're fans, right? And so you have to at least accept in your mind the possibility that the changes they are making or the adjustments they are making amidst failures— it's worthwhile to keep him in the rotation so that he can eventually get to this point. And that's what happens. So as we go through this process and as the season goes along here, there are going to be other there are going to be other examples separate from Steele that we may, you know, criticize and we may not want to see a certain player in a certain role, but we don't know why they're still in that role. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And this is always a reminder, I think, for me, you know, to be patient because We don't know what actually is going on underneath the hood, if you will. Okay, Uh, so second break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, You'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointspit at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBit app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so last, just a quick pitcher note, and then I want to talk some of the guys on offense. I, I just feel like we never talk about him. We've talked about a lot of these relievers. Yeah. I do just want to note, uh, after an inning and a third, scoreless, no walks, two strikeouts, Chris Martin, 2.57 ERA. He's having a really nice season. So that's yeah, that's looking like a nice pickup, um, assuming things head the direction that they probably will. Uh, Trade. Might be, yeah, a nice little piece uh, for a team looking for a veteran reliever. Obviously, he was, you know, just pitching in the World Series with the Braves and stuff like that. So nice signing. Uh, you know, just another one in like that. That one he had been successful. I don't. I don't know if the you know the the pitching infrastructure gets a ton of credit for identifying eh, that one. I don't know. I think they do. I think. They well, do. I'm going mean, to give it to. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to give yeah. it to them anyway, though, because he just is in another <laughs> uh, in the line of guys that they go out and get, and they're quite effective. And you know, we've talked a lot about Robertson and Givens and some of these other veterans that they brought in, but I feel like we just haven't touched on Chris Martin a lot. So uh, just. Yeah. Props to Chris Martin. There you go. Yeah. Um, getting to the offense, it's it's all over the place, Brendan. Uh, in terms of the offense, if if you exclude PJ Higgins, uh, who you know has a fifteen hundred OPS after his uh, three RBI triple in in the game on Sunday, the Cubs finish the game uh, on Sunday with zero players that have an OPS over eight hundred. So that's bad. Um, Contreras is out, obviously, the lineup that they put out on Sunday, I mean. Uh, So that's bad. But 
a, a really nice weekend from Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel. Uh, obviously, it had been a struggle. What a weird like situation for Frank Schwindel, right? I like know. he's going down, then he ends up back up. Uh, you know, you've got the flat tire situation, just like a, a very strange turn of events. And now he's back out there basically every day. And, you know, his numbers overall still don't look great, but he's creeping him back up there. You know, he's doing his best. And him and Patrick Wisdom going back to back um, on back to back days, that's pretty cool. And, you know, looking at uh, this is a stat from Ed Hardig, but I'm reading the tweet from our guy, Jared Willis, who was filling in uh, for Ryan Herrera uh, for allchgo.com on Sunday. Those back to back homers on back to back days are the first time the same two players have done so since Ernie Banks and Jim Hickman in 1969. So you hear a lot about those 1969 Cubs. There is one of those little nuggets for you. Um, Patrick, you know, I feel like we've dug into a lot. He kind of is who he is. I think he's going to have some some pretty uh, deep valleys in his game, but he's also going to have some peaks. And this was a nice weekend. He's up to nine home runs on the season, 771 OPS. Again, I feel like we have kind of a a pretty solid idea of who he is and and what he's bringing in addition to great defense over at third. He's got the pop and the, you know, the K rate you're going to have to live with. And that's just how it is. Uh, But, you know, really one thing I wanted to touch on here was uh, that when you look at Schwindel, it also sort of is a reminder that it's been a bit of a struggle for Alfonso Rivas uh, in the the last few weeks. He's down to a 2.13 average, a 6.77 OPS, and I'm you know I'm curious how you feel about all of that, and you know just what you're seeing from Rivas. Clearly, he started strong. He has a very good eye. He had a tough at bat in the game on Sunday where it it should have gone to a full count. He got called out on strikes. It was not a strike, so that's pretty annoying. Um, but it has been a struggle for him, and the Cubs are, to their credit, continuing to put him out there and hoping to kind of see what he has and, and give him a fair shot and to, to show what he's got, uh, but he's going to have to adjust back. He has to. Uh, I, I would still keep my same line of thinking, even though Frank Schwindel has been doing much better recently. I still think Rivas has to get the majority of the at-bats at this point. His struggles are not a result of a sudden approach change. If you look at Rivas's walk rate, it's still 15% on the year. His chase rate is still among the best for first baseman in the league at 22%. As a comparison, that's in like the same tier as what we saw from Dexter Fowler when he was leading off for the Cubs. And his contact rate is league average at almost 78%. So, you know, I know the strikeouts are there. He's striking out at a 32% clip. But based on that contact rate, and as the sample looms larger, it's more than likely that those strikeouts will go down. And if that eye is what it is, which I think is still there, then it's only a matter of time until those base hits start creeping up as well. With Frank, I've been disappointed by him, not just because he's not hitting well, but the chase rate has spiked up a lot this year for Frank. From last year, it was around 31%. Now it's 37%. And he has looked better recently, but the sample is still so small that you can't get confident feel for where he's currently at. So 
I'm still thinking the same way. I still want to see Alfonso get more opportunities here, especially when you consider the age factor with Rivas uh, being so young, only 25 years old and not going to be a free agent until six more years. Like, you know, there's a lot of value that comes with that. At the same time, that's great for Frank. You want to see him succeed. He's a great clubhouse guy. The story is awesome. The flat tire story, I get it. I hope he does succeed as well. But despite that, my thinking has not changed at, at all, Corey. Uh, that's just kind of where I am with him. Yeah. I You, you got to see it through. You know, we kind of just talked about this with Justin Steele, right? Like, you, you it's all different degrees. They're different players. But you have to commit to certain things. And obviously there there comes a point we kind of talked about this with different guys like Hermosillo was one example and Schwindel was had kind of reached that point when he was <laughs> sent down um there is a point where it's like okay you know we've given this a shot we kind of need to give somebody else a shot etc um but with Rivas yeah I mean you you have to you have to get to a point where you can confidently say yes we gave this a look we gave this a look from every angle and every you know potential opportunity that we could, and we have an informed opinion and decision yeah. on what we want to do here. And I don't think we've reached that with Rivas. He's so. Let me ask you a question sure. here, Rivas. If you had to guess his WRC plus right now, do you know what it is right now? Alfonso's. Yeah, I have no idea. Discuss. Nine. What do you think it is? It's ninety six. Okay. So he's like two games away from being a league average offensive player. Right. It certainly does not feel like that. Right. I'm, the reason I bring it up is I'm shocked seeing that. So, you know, it's still early on for him. And some of these numbers need to normalize out. The fact that his discipline is still exactly where he wanted to be signals t- to me it's just be patient. Yeah. He has not looked good, don't get me wrong, from, you know, quality of con- uh, of contact. But I think just more opportunities, more patience, it will come. Discipline's good. Defense is good. Yeah. And yeah, like you have to see it through. And it's it's always a good reminder that, you know, a lot these experiments, there, there was never the intention, uh, and I don't think you or I or anybody else has expressed that they were always going to work, right? That was never oh. necessarily the idea. The idea was to find out. And some are going to work, some are not. But that's what we have the time for. And you hope to get as many answers as you can. So yeah, it's it's going to be on Alfonso to adjust back and, and continue going. But like you said, he's, he's close to being a league average hitter. You'd like him to be above. But if he can show himself even to just be uh, a platoon guy, a bench guy, a, a contributor in some way going forward, that would be very productive. And he's, uh, I think, going to be afforded that time to do that, yeah. uh, despite, you know, struggling since uh, he originally came up. So uh, one guy I want to talk about, Brendan, and we're going to go a little younger here. Um, okay. We're going to dig into the minors. We're going to go all the way to Myrtle Beach Ooh. because we – these guys should be on your radar, but we've got someone here <laughs> in the Cub system uh, that you should probably be paying attention to every day, checking out what he's doing every single day because it is going – that well. And that is, we're just going to call him PCA, right? His full name is Pete Crow Armstrong, but PCA is just so smooth. And I'm hoping that by the time he reaches the majors, they just let him put that on his jersey because I just <laughs> think it would look really cool. Yeah. Um, but he has now uh, 137 at bats in the 2022 minor league season. He hit his sixth home run 
on Sunday. He's got a 1047 OPS, hitting 372. He's also stolen 10 bases. He is, by all reports and scouts and everything, an elite defender in center field. Uh, and he was born in 2002, Brendan. So you put all that together and you watch these highlights and the easy power that he has, the way he's able to get his hands in and pull the ball on, you know, high fastballs inside with ease, right? This is really exciting. And when you think about the... When you're watching him, you, me, and friend of the podcast, Ryan Tomier, have been remarking pretty much this whole time, but especially this weekend as he's been hitting some of these home runs, uh, this is really going to look like a bad trade for the New York Mets. Uh, The fact that the Cubs got, I love Javi, we went through all of that, we're not relitigating the emotional trauma of the trade deadline again, I swear, but Man, like a few months of Javi, the Mets didn't even make the playoffs, and the Cubs got <laughs> this guy. This looks like a heist by Jed Hoyer. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it appears as if PCA's success is coming off of changes he made to his batting mechanics. So that's even his more encouraging. His stance is a little wacky, isn't it? It's, it's a, the, setup, I, I mean, the setup. Yeah, it's wacky's one way of describing it. It kind of looks like... Uh, like he's very upright. Yeah. It's kind of similar to what Cody Bellinger used to right. do yeah. a few years Wacky ago. Wacky is an official scouting term. I don't know if you yeah. knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely it's I, I did. It's uh it's definitely unorthodox, but he has such a simple approach. So when I when I watch these hitters, like, you know, I'm looking for balance. Like that's why Seiya Suzuki is so good, because he has such such good balance, and that's why his approach is good and his discipline is good. And if you look at PCA, he kind of has the same thing going on there, where when he takes his stride, it's so soft, everything is so under controlled, and then at the last second, that bat explodes through the zone. And the more people you talk to, the more video you see, you can't help but wonder, is this guy's timeline going to get accelerated? And it's still too early to say. You know, he still has to make uh, some some adjustments here. He's still just in Myrtle Beach. He has to go through the other levels. He has to get through, you know, even able at this point and have success at in, in Tennessee to start seriously considering uh, at one point he'll be up. But he's doing every single thing possible to force a promotion. And looking at the walk rate and the strikeout rate alone with that power, not many players strike out under 18% of the time while walking in 13% of their plate appearances will have an isolated power of 200. Those are top-of-the-line numbers that you see reserved for top 20 prospects in the league, Corey. And he's doing this as a 20-year-old just turned 22 months ago. So you have to be excited about this. And as you said, you need to check this guy every game, every single game he plays. You should be checking his numbers because at this point, some people are already saying, you know, separate from Brennan, he's the best positional prospect on this uh, in the system at this point. And there was a recent prospect uh, prospect ranking list that had him number two in in the system, Corey, already number two behind Brennan Davis. So he's flying up the 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 leaderboards, the ranking list right here. And at this point, if he continues to do this, you know, his timeline will be accelerated. Yeah, it's it's also just a lot of fun to look at these offensive numbers and his slash lines and then remember like this guy's got 
speed and he's an elite defender like yeah we're not even talking we're not even talking about that like (laughs) those are just sort of like assumed things right like he's going to be an elite defender he's got speed he can steal bases and it's like oh yeah he's got like a 1047 ops and just mashing home runs um yeah so wanted to make sure that that was on your radar if it was not already the the minor leagues have been a lot of fun i think we're gonna have to reach out to uh some of our guys, I know Brian Smith was on with uh, Cody, Ryan, and Luke not too long ago, but uh, things are just, the, the the vibes are good in these, yeah. these minor league levels for the Chicago Cubs. So I think, you know, we might have to be talking about these guys a little more regularly. But yeah, he's our, he's our prospect focus uh, for, for this episode because oh, yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's undeniable. And, you know, as we talked about, like, the 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 situation that got us there is what it was we've talked about that uh ad nauseum and probably will brendan and i'll be talking about that on our deathbed probably the trade deadline last year but you want jed to have have won on on all of those trades as many of those trades as possible and some of those returns and we talk about caleb killian we talk about canario we talk about kevin alcantara and you know you just keep throwing these guys in the mix and it's like okay you know, I don't know if Jed, right. you know, hit, I don't know if he hit a hundred, you know, or a thousand on them, but he, he did quite well, at least if we're, you know, just looking up until this point. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about those guys, uh, Greg Huss and Jimmy Nelligan do a great job at the Growing Cups podcast. Check them out. All right. So let's preview this four game set against the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are terrible. They're 12 and 18 in the cellar of the division. Unfortunately, the Cubs are not too far behind them in that cellar. Cubs right now are 16 and 24. Four game set starts on Monday. Drew Smiley pitching for the Cubs. His record this year is 1-5, but his ERA is 3.97. He'll be facing Gutierrez for Cincinnati. He's having an awful year. He's 0-5 with an 8.65 ERA. That game starts at 5.40 p.m. Central. That's an insane start time. So for those West Coast people at 3.40, uh, I guess screw you. You're not watching those games. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what baseball is doing this year. On Tuesday... Same ridiculous start time at 5.40 p.m. We have Marcus Stroman making his second start back from the COVID IL. He's 1-4 with a 4.88 ERA. He'll be facing Tyler Malley for the Reds, who's 2-4 with a 5.23 ERA. On Wednesday, 5.40 p.m. start time again. Kyle Hendricks pitching. He's 2-4 at 4.89 ERA. He'll be facing the Reds' Luis Castillo, 0-2 with a 4.6 ERA. And then to finish off this four-game set on Thursday, very early start time, 11.35 a.m. Central. Justin Steele pitching. He's 1-4, a 3.82 ERA. He'll be facing Green for the Reds, who's 1-6 with a 5.49 ERA. This is a, a long series here, so a lot to focus on. You want to see Kyle rebound from that rough start against Arizona in which he gave up four home runs. It's uh, tied for his career high. Didn't talk about Kyle this episode. Maybe we'll talk about him more next episode. Uh, sim- similar with Marcus Stroman. Didn't talk about him that much this episode, but maybe next episode. And then seeing Justin Steele again. What does he do against the Reds lineup? Will we see more sinkers? Will he stay with that four-seam slider situation? Will we see Keegan Thompson be used as a piggyback and steal start? Will he be used earlier because he just went three innings on Sunday? A lot to look there as well. And then we talked about him, but I want to see Alfonso Rivas start to get rewarded for some of this good plate discipline and get some base hits falling in here. Yeah, well, we, you know, we've kind of been uh, waiting for this a little bit because, you know, the Reds had such a horrid start to their season. Yeah. 
and it's funny until you have to play them and it's like okay well <laughs> the the cubs better win uh cuz the reds have been really bad and if we want to feel a little better about how the cubs are going uh you, you you're going to want to beat the cincinnati reds so yeah, and and you know you you really want to pick up on that I, I like like we said kind of to start this off this was a a disappointing series at home to finish this off uh, with the Diamondbacks, you you really had a chance to to cap off just a really solid two weeks. Absent of anything else that had gone on earlier in the season, you had a shot at home against the team you had shown that you can beat um, to just cap off a really nice two-week stretch, which I think just would have been nice, and uh, it didn't play out that way. So now you've got a chance to play a team that has been awful all season, and you hope that the Cubs can come back on that. Uh, you know, specifically, I think I'm, I'm with Brendan. Would like to see, you know, Saya have a big series. Um, you know, one thing, and I know I think uh, Rick Sutcliffe uh, quote-tweeted uh, one of those umpire auditor accounts about this, uh, but he, he get like, he, I hate he's got some adjustments to make like no doubt like it you know he's not as hot as he was at the beginning of the year but but still looks really good right like he gets called out he gets punished for his patience and like it happened again on Sunday and like it it just it changes things you know he went one for four in this game with two strikeouts like you change one of those to a walk it's it's a completely different line I mean he you know? takes pitches too well that's a problem he takes pitches too well for these umpires it's a real shame um it, it you know it's it, every every team I think deals with this it almost seems like umpires are worse than ever I don't know and obviously we were talking earlier about Wilson getting so angry that he drew a circle around the plate and uh you know hurled that, his bat at the ground as he was kicked out it was great <laughs> yeah. But yeah, oh, like I, I just hope Saya has a better series because uh, I think, you know, that's got to be frustrating for him. And, uh, you know, just he's, I, I think he still looks great. I think he's going to be great. Um, but, you know, would like to see him get rewarded for some of that stuff and uh, get those numbers back up and, you know, have yeah. some people calm down a little bit about that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, yeah, just just take care of the Reds. It's an opportunity to play a team that you should be beating, and I hope the Cubs can come through on that. But uh, I think that is what we have for you uh, for this Sunday. As always, we appreciate your support for all things going on at CHGO. You guys know the drill, podcasts and live shows, every team, every day, post-game shows, pre-game shows, premium written content like Brendan's article about Keegan Thompson's change-up, everybody. I hope you're reading that. AllCHGO.com. Sign up to become a member. You get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord. Check in on Monday for your pre- and post-game needs with Cody and Luke and Ryan Herrera should be back. And other than that, thank you for supporting CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you again when the Cubs finish things up with the Reds later this week. And as always, go Cubs.